Hello, it's 26th of February 2017 and this is episode 19 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary. We're focused on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, I've been reading Empire's End, which I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying so far. Um, awesome. I haven't been able to finish it because I've been kind of busy. Um, but I have been shamelessly reading all of the spoilers and analysis that other people have been putting out there. <laughs> uh, I just have to know. Um, yes. So I, I really wanted to recommend to our listeners, if they have read it or if they don't mind being spoiled about what happens and everything, um, uh, a meta written by our friend Star Wars Hell on Tumblr. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote this amazing analysis of everything that comes out in um, not just Empire's End, but kind of um, the Aftermath trilogy as a whole and its possible implications for the sequel trilogy. Um, Things like the importance of Jakku and possible hints at Rey's parentage and background. Um, So it's very interesting and we should probably link to that in the YouTube video if we can. Yeah, like it's a real like titan. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's very impressive. And she she wrote it so quickly as well. Like she obviously just devoured the book and had all of these amazing thoughts and ideas she wanted to share with people, so... Yeah, that's the kind of thing I really, really admire. So much work goes into those kinds of deconstructions. And it's just amazing. Because I do think they seed things in these books for people to find. But for the most part, you're not going to realise what the seeds are until things are revealed further down the line. Right. Um, and yeah, I think it's just the most amazing like excavation of all those seeds. Mm-hmm. And trying to piece them together like into the story that they might be telling with this sequel trilogy and yeah it's really cool yeah how's your weight been uh yeah no it's been good um like in terms of star wars um i haven't had a chance to get empire's end yet so alas that has not happened (laughs) um but i will have to work on that um and yeah besides that there's just been like quite a few odds and ends in terms of stars news and like for them more so there's just been a lot of misinformation <laughs> around um like because there's been all these confused reports about reshoots um like it was some people saying they were going to do reshoots for the last jedi in edinburgh in scotland right and that alone is a very very strange suggestion um that stretches credibility and then basically you also have these counter reports coming out that say no 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 that's not what's happening at all it's for avengers infinity war or something so yeah like it's just you need to be careful in terms of navigating the star wars news landscape because people are desperate for clicks so they will put out things that aren't necessarily the most reliable mm-hmm. yeah that's true when i saw those um articles about edinburgh i i used to live in edinburgh and i thought it was really strange <laughs> because it's yeah. such a visually distinctive city like i would immediately recognize it if i saw it on film mm. and it's and it's in that way that it would just kind of take you out of the star wars universe yeah i know things no. would be modified but like i just saw the train spotting sequel don't know if you've watched that yet and obviously um, no i haven't i'd like to yeah but, it's, uh, it's really good and mm. you know yeah you mcgregor um <laughs> but Obviously, it's set in Edinburgh and they have all these streets that I just, oh, yeah, they're on the Royal Mile and they're here and they're there. It's like so obviously Edinburgh. Um, yeah. I just can't see it ever being a place that they would choose to film a Star Wars film. Mm. Yeah, no, Star Wars is all about immersion and escaping our world. 
Um, so one of the criticisms I saw of The Force Awakens that I can really understand, I, I didn't share it myself, was people saying they were disappointed by the locations because it just all looked too earthbound. Mm. So I especially saw that about Takanana because I, I think that was Puzzlewood, um, Forest of Dean. Um, and yeah, people were just saying it's like a forest you could stroll into anywhere, like on Earth. And that's not what they want from Star Wars. They want like something a bit more alien. Right. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't think they're going to be filming in major cities <laughs> anytime soon, unless you count sound stages in major, major cities. <laughs> All the reshoot stuff. I know people have been anticipating them because they will happen at some point, presumably. Mm. Um, but we just have to be careful about what we're hearing and question whether it makes sense or not. Yeah, no, exactly. It's about looking at these things for a critical eye. Um, right. Uh, just before we move on to news, there's a few items of business. Um, the first thing is that if you haven't done so already, please do rate and review us on iTunes because that really helps us and it helps to get the word out there, which is awesome. Um, and then if you have any questions for the podcast, you can email them to scavengershorde at gmail.com. And also we are on Facebook and Twitter, so find us there. And then the final, final order of business, I promise, <laughs> is that there won't be any show next week. Um, basically because I have personal commitments that mean I will not be able to podcast. So sad times, but... I promise that we're going to come back for bang and we're going to have a really, really exciting show for you in two weeks. So keep tuned for that. Um, right. And then with that said, we can move on to our news. And the first story is that we have had the official announcement that filming has begun on the Han Solo spin-off movie. Um, and we have this from StarWars.com. Cameras are rolling on the adventure-filled past of the iconic scoundrel and everyone's favourite Wookiee. Principal photography on the untitled Han Solo Star Wars story officially began February 20th at Pinewood Studios, London. The movie will explore the Jewish adventures before the events of Star Wars New Hope, including the early encounters with that other card-playing rogue from a galaxy far, far away, Lando Calrissian. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are the director's co-pilot in the movie, with a cast that includes Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Fandy Newton, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, with Jonas Samato as Chewbacca. Very sorry, Jonas. (laughs) (laughs) Watching such inspired people from all over the world with such unique voices come together for the sole purpose of making art is nothing short of miraculous. Lord and Miller said, we can't think of anything funny to say because we just feel really moved and really lucky. Um, I know this is really bad, but because that quote is attributed to both of them, that just makes me think that Lord and Miller are like a hive mind. I know, that's and what that I they speak simultaneously. <laughs> Every single time they declare something, it's like Lord and Miller said. It's like, I, I keep thinking of like Tweedledum and Tweedledee or something. Yes. <laughs> It's like seriously, they are their own people, right? Like, or is it solely a package deal? Yeah, it's pretty amusing. <laughs> Obviously, just yeah. one of them said that, or maybe they sat down and wrote a statement together. But it just sounds really bizarre. <laughs> I think their publicist wrote that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's nice to see this. Um, and they also released a very charming photo alongside this. Um, none of none of the actors were in, in character for it. And Fandy Newton wasn't in the photo. Yeah, um, I kind of wish they'd waited for her to be in the photo. 
Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It's like, oh, come on. When she's announced in the press release as well, it feels a bit incomplete. Well, because there's a bit shaped gap. Yeah, there's obviously already been a lot of um, commentary about the lack of women of colour in Star Wars movies. And then yes. I know I know, just adding one into this film doesn't like address the issue. But that photo would have... Uh, I don't know. I just... I don't know if that was well thought through. It's Disney, man. They have so much money. They could have just flown Fandy out there for the sole purpose of the photo, even if she wasn't meant to be shooting yet. Yeah, I'm guessing it is just because she's not filming yet. But um, yeah. Um, the funniest thing about this for me was that li- I think literally two or three days before this um, press release came out, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was like, asked about whether she was in the Han Solo movie. She's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. You can't believe <laughs> You read on the internet <laughs> it's like you're obviously lying yeah i mean you can't believe everything you see on the internet so she's right yeah. about that but no it's case... true <laughs> yeah in this case it's correct this is like tom hardy when he was confronted about being in star wars bless him he didn't try to hide it he's like how, how did you find that out <laughs> i think he literally asked that or words to that effect. they're probably terrified of saying something wrong and getting into trouble right like yeah just like, I can't comment, sorry. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you think about Woody Harrelson in the photo? Um... <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked like the drunk uncle had wandered in by mistake. And they'd be like, oh, come on, Woody, come on. I felt like it, it should have had the caption, do you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, man, bless him. Maybe he is like the death stick dealer from Attack of the Clones <laughs> yeah, whose life took a different path after that encounter with Obi. <laughs> I could that. Or maybe they could do a Star Wars story purely about that character. It'd be like the train spotting of Star Wars. Yeah, I would totally watch that. <laughs> yeah. I keep on saying how they want to like differentiate these films and like go really experimental and that'd certainly be a way to go experimental. Yeah, let's have a story about spice. <laughs> Spice. What is it? <laughs> it's like you find all these moral panic films from like the 1930s, like about the menace of marijuana, <laughs> <laughs> and you could have like a fake um, propaganda film or something about the menace of spice. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's a funny tangent. Um, yeah, like who did you like the look of the best in this photo? Obviously, I know they're there as actors rather than characters, but. Like, did anyone stand out for you? It's like, oh, I'm so excited to see them in this film. I'm most excited about Donald Glover. Yeah. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I'm just excited mm-hmm. to see Lando in a new film because I was kind of disappointed that he's not going to be in the sequel trilogy. Um, yeah. So this should be good. Yeah. What about you? Like, I, I haven't seen Glover in anything, but I've only heard glowing raves about his performances and mm-hmm. like just how good he is and everything. So I'm really intrigued to see what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I I... Because she's the one I'm most familiar with, I liked seeing Amelia Clark, and I was also surprised by um, how different she looked from what I'm used to seeing her as. Like, I, I don't necessarily mean different from Daenerys, because Daenerys obviously has blindingly white hair, <laughs> so that is not Amelia Clark. Right. But for whatever reason, just Amelia Clark having that fringe yeah. warmed her for me. It's like, wow, she looks super different. I don't know why, but. Um, Star Wars characters having fringes and it's totally possible that she just wouldn't have it in the film and that's just like her hair currently now I don't know um, mm. but I was like oh a fringe in a, for a Star Wars film like that just I don't know yeah like it it doesn't scream stars to me but they'll find a way because haven't we heard that Kelly Marie Tran might have one 
Yeah. It just, for some reason, it seems like too real worldy for me in terms of a look. Um, yeah, I did wonder if it was like a cynical thing where they're trying to differentiate her from all the other white brunettes and stuff. Oh, God, that might be true. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? Because there's all that furor over Jin and Ray looking too similar. And like to an extent the hair was quite similar as well. Obviously Jin didn't have free buns, but like to look at them face on, they did look quite similar. So I think having a fringe is like an immediate difference that everyone would be able to pick up. I on. guess, but you know, it's Star Wars. They they could have a colour, a hair and all these sorts of crazy colours, like, you know, Sabine has has different hair colour every season of rebels it seems like oh i hope they do that i just i don't expect them to yeah but they're I'm so used to them with their brunettes now you know i'd be shocked if they went too off kilter with it be a lot more exciting than just giving someone a fringe <laughs> <laughs> yes. maybe they'll have to find some way to make it like a space fringe <laughs> make it like really avant-garde and exciting yeah um yeah, no, so my hope is that we're going to learn more about this movie soonish. Oh, I yeah, can't yes. imagine we're going to get something new at Celebration. I would have would thought think? so. Like, they'll probably do something on the last day because that's kind of... I don't know. I've, I've heard people say that they think that there's going to be a new film announced as well, like the next spin-off. So, mm. yeah, they should give the spin-off some attention as well. Now kind of Rogue One's behind us and not everything can yeah. be about The Last Jedi, so... Yeah, no, exactly. I wonder if they're going to do the... Obi Wan announcement. Oh, so I know I was speculating that that might happen last year, a celebration, but that was a bit of a bust in terms of news. So. Yeah, that would be exciting if they finally announced that. Yeah, imagine they brought out Ewan, the place. Oh my god, out. I would freak out. <laughs> so yeah, hard. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be a fangirl moment for me. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right, on the note of celebration, that allows us to segue nicely into the next item, which is that the 40th anniversary event has been announced for Star Celebration, and there has also been the first poster for Star Celebration released. And again, we have this from Stars.com. A very special tribute to the 40th anniversary of Star Wars will kick off Celebration Orlando in grand fashion. The Star Wars 40th Anniversary panel, hosted by Warwick Davis and set for Thursday 13th of April, will feature Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy and discussions of some of the saga's brightest stars. It promises to highlight the impact of the galaxy far, far away and the fandom that has propelled it for the last four decades. This marquee celebration event will undoubtedly include many not-to-be-missed surprises, so set hyperspace coordinates accordingly. <laughs> So what what do you think about the sound of this event, Miss I'm Going to Celebration? <laughs> I think it should be fantastic. You know, yes. this is a really special anniversary moment. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, and especially with Carrie passing so recently as well. Like, I feel like they're going to make it really special and memorable for everyone who's there. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, definitely. I'd expect, like, Carrie to be a big component of that because... I don't see how you could celebrate such a big anniversary for Star Wars without making it in a big part about Carrie, especially now. Mm. I've heard people um, wondering, like, I've seen people speculating on Twitter, like, maybe George Lucas would turn up? What do you think about wow. that? Wow. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be so cool. I'm not sure like, how likely it would be, because, you know, I'm not really sure about his feelings on what Disney have been doing with Star Wars and everything, but mm. that'd be a pretty special moment. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what would bring the house down more. You and McGregor showing up live on stage or George Lucas showing up. I'd expect George, oh, yeah. to be honest. He's like the daddy <laughs> of stars, so you can't beat George. Yeah, I feel like it, if any time he's going to turn up, that would make sense, right? Like, Yeah. The anniversary of the first Star Wars film. So. It's basically celebrating what he did. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, it was a massive team assembled around Star Wars that made it work, but like he was the impetus behind it all, mm. so... Yeah, like if any one person deserves credit, George Lucas does. Yeah, and I assume Mark Hamill will be there as well. Um, they might get yeah. Harrison Ford, I'm not sure. Maybe he's just completely done with Star Wars now, but... Probably depends on how much money they have in the briefcase. That is true. <laughs> but, you know, they should have a fair few people who are, were involved in the original film come back to talk about it. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. I'd very much expect that. Um, do you reckon you're going to be like queuing overnight for this one or would it probably be you'll just arrive early and hope you'll get a ticket um, I don't know uh, I've got to figure it out like yeah. how, how I'm feeling then and like what people I know want to do um, mm. I would say yeah, overall sure. the, the Last Jedi panel will be my priority just because that's going to be like brand new stuff yeah um, absolutely so who knows I don't want to spend all the time queuing that's the thing yeah no exactly it's so hard if I if I were going I'd like you definitely prioritize the last Jedi thing because then you know you are seeing something live and you're the first person seeing that in the entire world and that's so exciting Mm. um but again also the 40th anniversary event will be really unique and special but at the same time I'd I'm sure there's gonna be huge demand there's gonna be huge demand for all the panels because there always are but I would expect it to be of a lower degree than what the demand for the Last Jedi panel would be like. I don't know, honestly. Um, you know, yeah. Star Wars fans are in it for all sorts of different reasons, and there might be people yeah, going who aren't even really that enthusiastic about the sequel trilogy because some people, yeah. some people didn't like the Force Awakens. You know, yeah. So no, that's a good point. And I, I and I guess like if rumors get out that George Lucas will be on that stage for that event, mm. then. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be like a stampede of people trying to get tickets for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just basing this on what they did for Europe, but they had big screens of where, um, it, elsewhere in the arena um, in yeah. case you couldn't make it into the panel. So it's not like you miss out and obviously you're still surrounded by lots of other fans. So, yeah. No, exactly. There's always going to be lots of opportunities. And obviously they'll lines. have the live stream going for everyone who's not able to be there as well. So, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and what did you make of the poster? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, they did a really, really cool. good job with it. I think I like it more than the one for last year. Um, and I was really excited to have prequel characters on it because mm. um, people have been kind of saying, "Oh, maybe Disney don't like the prequels," or are trying to kind of hide the fact that they're just kind of tiptoeing around them because uh, people tend to say that the original trilogy was much better. So. And obviously, The Force Awakens was kind of an homage to that much more than the prequels. But they've got mm. Anakin, Padme, and Obi Wan right there. So, yeah. It's cool to see that represented. Yeah, no, it is a really cool poster. Like, and I do like it. I personally, I think I do prefer the one for Celebration Europe. Um, and it's just a few reasons. I think I prefer it because it's in colour. And I also prefer it because I just felt like it was a tighter composition overall. Oh, okay. I think this time the poster suffers a bit from floating head syndrome. <laughs> it's like, got to put everyone on here. Lots of heads. <laughs> floating floating in the ether. Um, so yeah, it just didn't strike me as artistic. But I still really like it. Like And like you say, it's really nice to see all of the trilogies represented. 
because that definitely didn't happen in the last poster or in the poster for I think Anaheim mm. um, because they were like both much more focused on the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's nice to see the full spectrum of Star Wars brought back into the fold. I do think um, I was looking at the bit, you know, where there's I don't have it right in front of me, but I remember like there's Kylo and Rey on either side, and then mm-hmm. they have so Rey has Finn and Poe to her right, and yes. then on the other side there's Hux and Phasma. And yes. I, I know it's like done to like balance balance out the imagery, but Hux and Phasma to me do not play as big a part as Finn and Poe do. But they're kind of on an even playing field. <laughs> it's great news for all the Hux and Phasma fans. Are there Phasma fans? <laughs> uh, I think she's genu- generally treated as like an accessory to other fandoms. Right. So she's like the best friend in like Hilux fix. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of like a standalone fandom she has not... because she's not much of a standalone character. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> sorry, that took a funny tangent. Um but yeah, I, I think it's nice to see like the different sides represented. It almost reminds me of like high school, like the cliques <laughs> or the cliques, however you pronounce it. Um so like you've got all the like the goody two shoes with like Rafe and Poe, and then you've got like the like evil, like dark emo kids, like with Kylo Hux and Phasma. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's clearly what they were going for. So yeah, <laughs> you know it makes sense because I was. This is uh, probably my shipper goggles that it mm-hmm. kind of had this like almost Romeo and Juliet West Side Story vibe that it was like, like <laughs> the opposing yeah. gangs, and then it's like the central <laughs> figures. <laughs> it's a pity that Ray doesn't have the same number of syllables as Maria. Otherwise, <laughs> someone would like already have done that riff, you know? Yeah, but it, it was very much like. Uh, positioning those two as like the central antagonists which before The Force Awakens marketing was definitely not doing yes exactly it's very much indicating that that's like a central conflict and who knows what else (laughs) the mysterious connection (laughs) yes (laughs) Rihanna I just met a girl named Rihanna (laughs) like well see that's not Ray's name but that tends to be the kind of name that you find like in <laughs> Force Awakens fan fiction where they'll have to um, give like Ray like her true name, like she's actually a princess or something. Mm-hmm. Like you get all these fabulous storylines. Um and it's like she's the lost princess Rihanna of Jakku. And it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, there are so, all those theories about Ray having a different name, aren't there? Like Yeah, no, there are. And I, I, I understand where they're coming from. Like and I think it's possible they might do that, but I don't think she'll be known as anything other than Ray. Yeah, I feel like that would be confusing. Yeah, no, it'd be a branded nightmare. Yeah, because like with you know, Kylo, obviously that's not his birth name, but we already know his birth name, so it's kind of still there in the back of your mind that he has this alter ego. Yeah. But Ray is Ray. Like that's yeah. very much a branded identity now. So yeah, she's Ray TM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to go anywhere. Um, right, and then we can move on to the next story, which is that we have the official information about the Rogue One DVD slash Blu-ray release. And this is again from StarWars.com. They've been very busy bees lately. Um, and it goes like this. StarWars.com is excited to deliver some special Rebel intel. <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The thrilling tale of how the Rebellion stole the Death Star plans. 
it's officially coming home. Brackets. Just don't tell director Krennic. <laughs> the film will arrive in a variety of formats, including digital HD on March 24th and Blu-ray, DVD and on demand on April 4th. Take a first look at the box art below. Um, the, the box art is obviously illustrated. There is different art for the DVD and the Blu-ray. I personally think the DVD art is prettier. Um, but that's just my personal preference. I haven't and had a I look could... at them yet, so I can't comment. But... Um, yeah, like on the DVD art, it's like Jin is in the front and she's got this very like, I'm a heroine pose. And she's like standing and looking uber dramatic. And then there's like the other guys in the posse like sort of standing back behind her mm. like at varying levels of distance um and yeah it's just an interesting composition so it's not art from any of the posters the blu-ray cover is art from one of the theatrical posters i think so it's less interesting mm. um right and then to run through the extras quickly we have a rogue idea hear how ilm's john knoll came up with the movie's concept and why it's the right film to launch the Star Wars standalone films. Jin, the rebel. Get to know Rogue One's defiant, resourceful survivor, and hear what it was like for Felicity Jones to bring her to life on screen. Cassian, the spy. Diego Luna shares insights into his complex-driven character, who became a hero through selflessness, perseverance, and passion. K2SO, the droid. Explore the development of this reprogrammed Imperial droid from initial pitch and character design through Alan Tudyk's performance. Baze and Chirrut, Guardians of the Wills, go deeper into the relationship between these two very different characters. I'm going to speed up a little. Okay. <laughs> Bodhi and Saw, the pilots and the revolutionary. Forrest Whitaker and Riz Ahmed reflect on Saw Guerrera, the broken rebel leader, and Bodhi Rook, the Imperial pilot who defects. The Empire meet a dangerous new imperial adversary and cross paths with the most iconic villain of all time. Visions of hope, the look of Rogue One. The filmmakers describe the challenges and thrills of developing a bold look for the movie that can fit within the world of the original trilogy. The princess and the governor. See what it took to bring the vibrant young princess of Star Wars A New Hope, as well as one of her most memorable foes, back to the screen. Epilogue, the story continues. Filmmakers and cast celebrate Rogue One's premiere and look forward to the future, to the Star Wars stories yet to be told. Hmm. Rogue connections. Uncover Easter eggs and film facts hidden throughout the movie that connect Rogue One to the Star Wars universe. So, oh, Kirsty, what do you make of that? Uh, it sounds like there's not going to be any deleted scenes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Just That's immediately true. focus on the negative. <laughs> We're so mean about no, I, no, I, no. I this is kind of what I was expecting because yeah, it, that would be opening up a can of worms. Mm. You know, if they bring up deleted scenes, it's like okay, is this like a weird AU where something completely different happened? Because again, we, yeah. we've talked before about the difference between um, the different versions of the scenes that they did for the Force Awakens versus the Rogue One, where it really was like a different story and a different outcome yeah. for those characters. Um, so yeah, it would, what, you know, what if they put out those deleted scenes and then people were like, oh, well that would have been a better story. Mm. Yeah. No, like you say, it's hugely problematic if they do start acknowledging fully the existence of that deleted material. Um, and yeah, like, again, that's what stands out to me. Like the extras that are released and they sound cool, but they also sound very fluffy. 
um yeah, so clearly all just like featurettes yeah it kind of sounds like the same sort of stuff that we were seeing in the the mo- uh, the promotion before the film came out um yeah. like you know the little spots where you had felicity and diego talking about their characters like is it going to be kind of similar to what we already saw or are these been filmed especially for the blu-ray yeah like i expect they're going to be very similar like but still unique to the release because i doubt they would be so shameless as to just recycle the pre-release material but i doubt they'll be saying anything that's strikingly new because one thing i've noticed throughout all of the publicity for rogue one has just been this like deafening silence on like the reshoots and there's just been really like no willingness to admit about the to the extent of the changes that happened um, and yeah, that just really continues here because they wouldn't do like a featurette on uh, <laughs> a crisis management. A look into <laughs> how Rogue One was completely retooled with six months to go. Oh. Smiley face. <laughs> that would not be a featurette. They could because it's impressive. You know, it is really impressive because they did come out of a really good film. Like in the end, and it was cohesive and it made sense on its own terms. And that is quite something and, and yeah like I, I kind of just wish they'd own it more it's like guys you still pulled it off you don't need to be so shy about admitting that you changed a whole bunch of stuff yeah and you know this is the kind of story where you can do that because it is a standalone so you're not going to see that same kind of experimentation in the sequel trilogy because they all have to connect yeah but they they had this fertile ground here where they could t- tell the story any way they wanted they did tell it and then went back to the drawing board in a way because they were like, no, actually, we want to do something better. And then they did. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll watch all of these featurettes, but um, yeah, like it doesn't seem like we're going to get a commentary either. And I don't know if that means they'll be waiting for a later release like they did with The Force Awakens. I, I'm almost certain there will be like a collector's edition of Rogue One. Yeah. And to be honest, because I, I don't think I'm going to get the initial release of Rogue One on DVD or Blu-ray. I'm going to wait, like, so I don't repeat what happened with The Force Awakens. And I shell out for the Blu-ray, and then six months later, a much better Blu-ray comes out. Right, I do, <laughs> I do want to be wary of that. Because, you know, from the most cynical perspective, it's like, yeah, of course, Disney are going to want to empty the fans' wallets. But this mm. can't happen every time there's a new Star Wars film. Because we're getting one every year. You can't buy two of each film. Yeah. And some people might, because they're collectors. But, um, you know, I don't have unlimited money to throw around on these yeah. things so to be honest i it wouldn't surprise me if this is what they always do in that they release a relatively bare bones version of the film at first and then later on they do subsequent editions where they add more mm. um like so i really don't see that changing but i do think less people are going to like fall for it right essentially because people will recognize the patterns and they'll be like no I'm not going to get it this time I'm going to wait because then I'm going to get a way better edition yeah and with The Force Awakens I thought it made sense for them in a way to hold off on the commentary for a while because um, there was so much speculation and theorising going on but Mm. with Rogue One it's like there isn't a mystery box so they really could do a commentary now yeah I guess it's also awkward again with Rogue One because how much can you say in a commentary to Rogue One when you're still effectively in denial about the extent of what changed actually yeah because if they had gareth edwards do it aren't there scenes that he didn't direct 
well, that was like the word on the street um, because they brought in the other guy who, Tony Gilroy. Yeah. They brought in Tony Gilroy and he was essentially said to be the director on the reshot material. I'm not sure if Gareth Edwards was present at all, but in a way it would almost be a horribly uncomfortable experience for him to have to do a commentary on what is nominally his film, but then watch these extended sequences that he didn't have anything to do with. Right. Um, That would probably be really difficult for him. So, yes, a really, really tough one, actually, when you think about it. It raises lots of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they do a commentary eventually, who will be doing it? Yeah, maybe both of them. That'd be the most honest way to do it, because Gareth Edwards and Tony Gilroy were clearly the two people who were absolutely critical in making this film happen and shooting the material. Um, But... Yeah, like they just don't seem to be acknowledging Gilroy at all, like beyond the minimum that they have to acknowledge him. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, Right, then we can move on to the news that there are rumours about original cuts of the original trilogy being released. And this comes from Making Star Wars. Every time there's a rainy day, a slow news week, or a Star Wars drought, a rumour starts to go around that the unaltered version of the Star Wars trilogy will be re-released. I generally have it as a policy that we don't run those rumours, because they're generally wrong. However, over the last month, the evidence and tips have been piling up that the unaltered original trilogy will be re-released this year for the 40th anniversary in various formats. Several sources have let us know it was coming, and it appears to actually be on the way this time. Yeah, so basically the story from Making Star Wars is that they are going to release like unaltered versions of A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Because obviously, subsequent to their release in theatres, George Lucas went back and he tinkered with various things to like modernise the effects and like, just modify certain things that he wasn't completely happy with the first time around. And they became the special editions. And then they were subsequently altered and revised for um, the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Mm-hmm. Um, so the versions that are now widely available on home release, they are the special editions. You can't really legally get high-quality versions of the original trilogy anywhere. Um, excusing like fan versions where they've been meticulously cut together from different sources. Um, so yeah, like if this were to happen, this would be really exciting and a very big deal because seeing those original unaltered versions really means a lot to loads of fans and it would be very special for them. Um, but yeah, I think we had a bit of a damper thrown on this by Pablo on Twitter. Is that correct, Kirsty? Yeah, he's, he, in his typically salty form, <laughs> which I generally <laughs> appreciate, um, he tweeted out something like, oh, you know, I celebrate the 20th anniversary of these original cut rumours, you know, so it's like something that's been going around for a long time. It seems to kind of resurface every year somehow, or at least on a regular basis. So that's not him officially debunking it, obviously, but it's Mm. kind of of a a cause for, hmm, maybe this isn't necessarily true. We'll see. Yeah, it's like even Jason, yeah, like at the very. start of the article, he says how frequent it is for these rumours to come up. So I absolutely believe that if he's posting this on the website, he has very reliable people who he trusts telling him that this is the case. Well, he, um, he says even at the end, you know, remember, it's just a rumour. So yeah, he, he's not exactly. sure of it either. It's just something that he's heard and um, could pan out, but maybe he won't. We'll see. 
yeah, all, all of these all of these things that are always rumors until there are suddenly press releases on <laughs> StarWars.com. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can't take anything as a hundred percent true. Um, like I do perhaps wonder if there is truth in this, but like it's not the whole truth. So perhaps one of the things they'll announce at that fortieth anniversary panel uh, celebration is that there is going to be a theatrical re-release of the original trilogy, but they won't be the unaltered versions. They'll still be the special editions. Mm, maybe. Because I certainly think that's very possible. Um, and then that would tie into what Jason's been hearing about. It would just mean that it wasn't completely correct because it's different versions. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I could see them doing that because Celebration is like mid-April. And then I think the anniversary of A New Hope's release is in May. Mm-hmm. Um and then that would be enough of a window to actually re-release the films in May for like a short run. Yeah. And you know people go wild for that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's... I would be excited to see them in theatres. Yeah. Like, so I got lucky. I saw them in the BFI, like all back to back, the original trilogy a couple of years ago. Cool. And that was amazing. It was such a good experience. And I'd jump to see them again. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. Um, Like whether or not they're the special editions, I don't really mind. I don't really like... mind either. Some people have like a really strong opinion on which is better or you know oh i hate the special editions because of the scene and whatever but it doesn't really matter to me that much yeah like it it really doesn't bother me like i think there's only one thing i don't actively dislike about the special editions and, and that's like i don't like the changes to jabba Pal- jabba's palace and return of the jedi hmm. um, because some of the stuff that was added there it just goes a bit too far for me um, and because that was the Star Wars film of my childhood, the one I watched over and over again on VHS, like seeing like the new version of the song, yeah, <laughs> seeing those new like dancer characters and stuff, like all of that, it feels a bit false to me. Like I know it wasn't there, yeah. before. and yeah, just jars. Um, but it, it doesn't like ruin my enjoyment of the film or like affect it in a serious way. It's just. Yeah, like a minor nuisance. Yeah, I think that I'm. I seem to get the impression that most people's, if they have beef with it, it's the um, hand shot first thing. Yeah, I gotta say that doesn't bother me at all either way. <laughs> that really doesn't bother. Yeah, me. and I love Han Solo. It just doesn't doesn't take away anything from the character or add anything, whether he shoots first or not. Like it's still, it still seems the same premise to me that you know yeah. he's in deep shit with these characters and like if people are after him and he's got this murky past um i already know that he kills people it's not like if he shoots first or doesn't he's acting in self-defense that somehow changes the character because this isn't the only time we see him in conflict with someone yeah that actually reminds me at the um bfi screen and i went to they had a um like trivia quiz um and one of the questions was um like who shot first han or greedo <laughs> Um, and, I, and I yelled out Han <laughs> and, and like everyone was like cheering and stuff and like that was the moment when I realised it really really matters to people that Han shot first my god yeah I, I don't know it just doesn't to me for some reason because like, I, I know that both versions exist so you can look at it whichever way you prefer yeah like I do think it would be nice to have the unaltered versions available for people who like remember them from their childhood or just want to see these films as they were when they came out in the cinema. Oh yeah, you know, so, if the rumor's true, I will probably buy them because yeah, I, I think it's a cool, it's a cool idea if that's what's happening. Um, yeah. But it just, again, like with Star Wars fandom, it, it always 
brings up these debates that fans have of each other about which is better and you're not a real fan if you think this and blah blah it's like can't we all just like what we like mm, exactly like to me like all of this stuff is so like petty and trivial like it's just the tiny minutiae and it's stuff that doesn't really matter to me like even in the Star Wars context because obviously all of this is silly fiction like none of it truly matters and like the greatest fear um but yeah like it's just like we're talking like a few seconds altered here and there it's not that big a deal yeah i mean people will just i guess use anything to kind of gatekeep other fans but yeah so if it's not this it's something else but yeah people (laughs) will find ways (laughs) um right then the next story is that we have jj abrams making some nice comments about episode eight and carrie fisher and this is from Styles Newsnet, um, but I think the people originally speaking to Abrams were ET online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes like this: Were you a little jealous that someone else got to write Luke's first line of dialogue? Sure, there's definitely a pain, but Ryan Johnson is a great filmmaker and storyteller, and I think what he's done is well. You will see. But for me, I was less jealous and more excited as a fan of the series. My involvement is minimal, as Ryan Johnson is a filmmaker who doesn't need to be babysat. He's hard at work in editing the movie now, and it's going to be amazing. And then along Carrie. She will be remembered for exactly who she was. One of the most brilliant minds. Irreverent, clever, blind and bright. I knew her for decades. To know her and to work with her, especially as that character, was surreal and a beautiful thing. Yeah, so what do you make of this, Kirsty? I think it's really lovely. Um, I mean, he's not going to talk shit about The Last Jedi. Sorry, I keep swearing today. I need to stop. <laughs> Don't worry. You're fine. Um, he's not going to say anything bad about it, obviously. Um, mm. But it's nice that he is like emphasizing that Ryan knows what he's doing and he trusts him as a filmmaker um, and a mm. writer. And yeah. Um, yeah, and he's just as excited to see it as everyone else is because he is a big mm. fan of Star Wars. So Yeah. Yeah, no, the thing that stuck out to me here was... Um, I like that JJ is really taking the back seat here um, because JJ is still going to have a credit for The Last Jedi. I think he's executive producing. Um, but yeah, like it's nice that everyone is really trusting Ryan Johnson to take such an assertive hand with this film. Right. And that is like, no, when I hand over, I really do hand over. I'm not like going to linger over him like a creepy shadow person. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I think Ryan had quite a hand in The Force Awakens as well. In terms of yes. setting up certain scenes and dynamics, so they mm. if they worked together on the foundation, um, obviously it was primarily JJ's vision with Kasdan, but um, and Ryan was involved, and then it should really fit quite seamlessly. Yeah, so. no, Ryan Johnson was JJ Abrams' creepy shadow person. <laughs> but that's good, isn't it? Like, we... yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean. I, I should just find a completely different terminology for that because there's no good spin you can put on creepy shadow person. <laughs> Um, like he was a reassuring and constant presence on the set (laughs) and we also know that Ryan had influence on Bloodline as well so you know some fans are like oh the the books you know barely anyone reads them so they don't have any bearing on anything but the fact that you've got one of the directors of the film contributing to the story there in some way however small means that Mm. they are really wanting the story to all fit together and make sense yeah so that's great which I find so reassuring yeah like, it really shows that he cares and that he wants this to be cohesive. And that's so cool mm-hmm. because that's one of people's biggest fears, I think, that when all is said and done, people will look back and think, well, this doesn't really fit together. And 
touch wood, I'm confident that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I am too. Mm. So yeah, exciting times. Um, right. And then we have the news that sequences for The Last Jedi have been shot in IMAX. <laughs> Following J.J. Abrams' iconic use of IMAX registered trademark <laughs> cameras in Star Wars The Force Awakens, the companies have also announced that director Ryan Johnson has captured key sequences of Star Wars The Last Jedi using IMAX's extremely high-resolution cameras, delivering IMAX audiences greater scope and increased image quality in IMAX's exclusive aspect ratio for a uniquely immersive experience. <laughs> um, was it, wasn't it an IMAX um, camera that fell into the sea in Ireland? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we so we know so that <laughs> we know that some of those key scenes included those with uh the act two sequences so yes was that the last jedi that happened or on force awakens it was the last jedi because remember ryan johnson was talking about it at the future filmmakers panel last year oh yeah yeah <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I find this some um, loss of extremely expensive equipment really funny. Yeah, kind of is. <laughs> yeah. The perils of shooting on location. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it'd be more funny if like um a seagull knocked it over. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that is what happened. We'll get the full story at some point. Um but yeah, being serious, sorry. Um This is a good news. Yeah, it's good to know, but it's not like wow, breaking news. Again they say, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, this also was true for The Force Awakens, so... Yeah, there was a reason why I put this last. Yeah. It's like, it was yeah, one, great. What, it was one of those things where I was like, should I include this? It's like, mm, okay, okay, I'll include it. Yeah, it's kind um, of just a promotion for IMAX, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So look at the big films that be using our equipment. Yay! Um, but yeah, I'll just reiterate what I've said before that I love IMAX. It's an incredible way to see films and especially Star Wars films. So the fact that some of The Last Jedi is going to be shot in native IMAX format is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what it looks like. It's probably going to be freaking spectacular. Yeah, I think it's going to be a gorgeous movie. So mm. Yeah, I expect nothing less, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, not to sound creepy or anything. <laughs> um, right, and then we have it came from Twitter <laughs> because there wasn't anything really worth talking about on Reddit, so I went for Twitter instead. Um, and yeah, this is basically from the Star Wars Junk account. Do you know what their credentials are, Kirsty? Have they I... ha- had any history of knowing things? I don't know actually. Mm. Um... Oh, I guess it's a bit of a new name to me, but I guess like it's worth talking about because they say this with some authority. <laughs> that makes me assume they know something. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, to get to the point, um, this tweet says, We have heard that Vanity Fair will release the last Jedi issue with Annie Leibovitz's photographs in the first week of May. We're trying to confirm. So... Kirsty, what did you think about this and its plausibility? Well, it doesn't sound too out there, right? Like, it could totally be possible. Yeah, and we know, or at least we had rumours at the time, that Annie Leibovitz was in Ireland Mm -hmm. to presumably photograph the things that were happening on Act 2. And yeah, that is super, super exciting. Yeah, I mean, she's done the spreads for all of the Star Wars films, right? Like, it's always her... 
Oh yeah, like it being Annie, that's not news really, but it's definitely exciting to me that we're hopefully going to see some of the Ireland action yeah. in still form. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and based on precedent, we might also get to see um Carlo's face for the first time because she certainly wasn't shy about showing Adam Driver's face in the Force Awakens promo. It's just that's true. Mm. Yeah, I guess it depends on what we get from Celebration. Um, yes, they could show it in a teaser then, but who knows. Yeah, so remember, um, I think when the Vanity Fair spread for The Force Awakens came out, people were like, oh, she's just showing Adam Driver's face because it's like a fashion magazine and that's the kind of thing they do. And he's not going to look like that in the film. Of course he won't. And then he looks like that in the film. People are like, oh. Wait, what? <laughs> really? People weren't thinking? That really happened. Oh. Yeah. I didn't hear any yeah. of that. I was completely out of the loop, so I haven't heard any of like what people were talking about before, apart from what people have told me since. I didn't know yeah. there was kind of a discourse on Kylo Ren's face like that. I think so. It was relatively minor because all the discourse was relatively minor compared to what goes on now. Right. So um, so were people thinking that he would keep the mask on the whole time? Uh, Yeah, like either that or I think they're expecting him to be scarred or deformed or oh, okay. just not looking like a handsome young man with pretty hair. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think they're a bit like, oh... They did decide to go in that direction. Interesting. Um, so yeah, this time I'd imagine people will be more willing to trust what turns up in this Vanity first spread. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really cool. So I just love these photos. They also always offer such like a cool detailed look at things. Well, there wasn't really anything in that spread that didn't end up turning up in the movie in some form, right? Yeah. So I know that they yeah, had big right. emphasis on like the the aliens in the background at Maz's castle, and then they had Maz and Ray and Finn and Chewie and Han and everyone. Um, I'm pretty sure they didn't have Maz. Oh, did they not? Actually. Oh, they had Lapita oh. with the um, the motion capture stuff on, right? Like, she had the that's white right. dots on her face. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Exactly. So I'd expect we're going to get good looks at everyone, pretty much. So we're going to get good looks at Kelly Marie Tran. We're going to get good yes. looks at I'm so Vinny excited about that. Yes, it's going to be so cool. And Laura Dunn. Because mm-hmm. did you see when... Um, like there was a guy tweeting about the merchandise from the toy fair. Oh yes, I did see that. And like I think he tweeted about a calendar for the Last Jedi, and I think he referred to Kelly Marie Tran as an Asian child. Yeah. And yeah, like, and I think he genuinely thought it was an Asian child, but it's still like, sir, you're reporting on Star Wars. You really, really should know that this is like a lead actress and she's like 27 years old. Yeah, people pointed her out to him like, oh, Kelly Marie Chan has been cast in The Last Jedi. Are you sure it's not her? And he was like, oh, I haven't heard of her. <laughs> I was just like, really? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't it a Star Wars fan site as well? Yeah, he was, a, you know, someone who writes about Star Wars. So I was kind of surprised that he wasn't already familiar with her being cast. Yeah, I'm not sure how you could miss that. It was like such a big deal when that cast came out. Yeah. It's like, oh, who's this unknown girl? Mm. But yeah, like I guess it's surprising how these things fly under the radar sometimes. That's the kind of thing that I I wish that they had given us more details already. I know you know it's probably just going to come out at celebration, so we just need to be patient. But mm. you know, in the meantime, these new cast members, especially someone unknown like her, like Benicio mm. del Toro and Laura Dern, are already well-known people. Um, yeah, they're just kind of being overlooked, and yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a real pity. Um, yeah, have you got anything else you want to say about the Vanity First spread? 
I, I think it's totally possible that it could come out in May. I think the Vanity Fair issue for The Force Awakens was June. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows if they'll be doing it a bit earlier this year or whatever. But um, I guess we'll find out pretty soon because they'll be coming up. I know from my old obsession with fashion magazines um, that they... So basically the issue of Vanity Fair that comes out in the first week of May, that will be labelled the June issue. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it would be at the same stage, pretty much, that we got the Vanity Fair spread okay. for Force That's Awakens. why it was confusing me, because they were talking about May, but what they mean is it'll be the June issue. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's what would be happening. Right. Um. Yeah. So I really hope that happens. And fingers crossed it is when Star Wars John Cassane is, because that would be really cool. And it feels reassuringly soon. <laughs> uh, right. Then the last thing we have is that we have a question from Emily via email. First off, I love your podcast. Rachel, Kirsty, I'm so thrilled to have found your channel. It really has given me lots of cool things to think about that supports and adds to my own theories. It's so nice to find out there that there are others who share similar thoughts and views when it comes to Star Wars, and more specifically, Raylo. It's also refreshing to see how kind and classy you both are when sharing your thoughts and predictions for Episode Eight. Versus people who feel like attacking those with a different perspective on where the story could be headed. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time I watched The Force Awakens, I was completely sold on the idea that Rey was Luke's daughter. But as time went on, I started having doubts. Mainly because of the interest and vibe I was feeling between Rey and Kylo. In the past few months, I'm feeling that the possibility of romance between the two evolving would be a far more interesting story and twist than Rey simply being Luke's daughter. I have multiple questions for you girls. This question has been on my mind a lot. A while ago, there was a leak that stated that Rey was seen with a green sleeve on set. Many have said that this reveals she will lose a limb in episode 8. I'm not very happy about this news, since the protagonist in every Star Wars movie has lost limbs. It'd be nice to see a change. But the biggest reason this concerns me is that many are speculating that Kylo Ren is the one who inflicts this injury on Rey. Since I'm such a huge Raylo shipper, I'm afraid of this happening. With what I observed in the movie and in other source material, Kylo never wanted to kill or harm Rey. It would be disappointing to see this happen, since I probably wouldn't ship Raylo at that point, or at least it would be very hard to. I feel like it would also be a lot harder for a redemption arc for Kylo if romance with Rey will play a huge part of that. What are your thoughts? Do you think Kylo would do this to Rey in a rematch lightsaber duel, or perhaps this is a nightmare vision? Uh, yes, Sue. Kirsty, what are your thoughts on this? Um... So I remember hearing about this green sleeve rumor, and mm-hmm. was it one that was originally reported by Mike Zero? It is, yes. Yeah, and I didn't. I don't remember hearing about it anywhere else. At least like corroborated by other Star Wars spoiler sites and everything. Um, yeah. So I have my doubts, to put it mildly, mm. about whether yeah. this is trustworthy. I don't like to sound mean, but Mike Zero is basically the fake news of Star Wars fandom. It kind of bothers me that he has so much uh, influence over what people think is going to happen in the story, and uh, he steals content from other other people, which bothers yeah. me. I just, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's worrying because, like, there are so many more reliable sources out there. Yeah, people always seem to flock to Mike Zero, and I think it's just because he always comes up with these very sensational and appealing sounding ser- stories. And that makes them good, like clickbait. 
So I've seen what are legitimate outlets like the Independent, the UK newspaper, and Slash Film. I've seen them pick up on Mike Zero as a source and report on rumours from Mike Zero. Yeah. And it's just the saddest thing in the world. It's like, why? Why are you doing this? And I know it's why. It's because people are voraciously hungry for Star Wars rumours. So they're past the point of caring about how legitimate they are. So I think the everyone knows that Mike Zero basically makes up his rumours. Um, but yeah, they want that clickbait. So they'll just use it. Yeah, but It's just sad. I think this is the problem though, because not everyone knows that, right? Because he has mm-hmm. such a following um, that people do think, oh, he must be trustworthy. So, And then that's how we get these rumours when people are genuinely panicked because they don't think it feels right for the characters and don't mm-hmm. want to see Ray harmed in that way. Um, yeah. I... I just can't see them harming Ray like that. Um, mm. Partly because there are these kind of double standards when it comes to how female heroes will be treated in films like this. Um, mm. You'll notice that in The Force Awakens, Ray came out about a scratch on her. Finn yeah. obviously didn't. Um, that's yeah. partly because Kylo Ren treats Finn and Ray differently. That's obviously um, part of the takeaway there. Um, but mm. I think it speaks to this larger treatment of um, female characters in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see it happening. Yeah. No, like, I don't think it will happen. And there's no legitimate source saying that it will happen. So basically the message is don't worry. Like I understand why you'd panic upon seeing this kind of thing. But like it's really uncorroborated. And Mike Zero is a very unreliable source for actual spoiler information. So if you see anything where he's cited as the origin of a piece of information, be extremely suspicious at a minimum and just completely disregard it for the most part. That's what I would do anyway because you just can't trust it. Yeah, I I don't watch his videos, but if you go on his channel and have a quick look at the types of theories that he's putting out there, uh, he seems to put everything out there, like throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Um yeah. And often a lot of the ideas are contradictory, which is, you know, fair. He can speculate about whatever he wants. But it's it seems to me that it's kind of with the tactic of whatever comes out in the actual film, he can say he was right because he theorizes about absolutely everything. Mm. Um, so. Exactly. Yeah. It, like, he, he's bound to be right on some point. <laughs> exactly. Because he's come up with every conceivable angle on every conceivable character and plot point. Um, but... Yeah, like it's going to be coincidence pretty much. Yeah, I, you know, it, it doesn't bother me as much on a personal level because I don't consider myself like a Star Wars journalist or someone who has insider access. But um, for people who do in the Star Wars community who work really hard and, you know, develop these relationships with sources, um, you can see them getting really visibly frustrated with the fact that this guy gets so much attention um, mm. because he steals their content and um, makes stuff up and... I can see that being really frustrating for people who are actually trying to do work. So, yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. No, it kind of gives all the Star Wars journalists a bit of a bad reputation, and it's a shame. Mm. Right. <sighs> but yeah, enough about Mike Zero and all that nonsense. Oh, well, I thought you might want to talk about the bit where she says the first time she watched The Force Awakens, she mm. she thought Ray was Luke's daughter, because that was kind of similar to your experience, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it was. like My experience was very much like Emily's. Like, I think the first time I saw it, like, I went in with this very heavy expectation that Rain Luke had to be related. But, well, not even necessarily Rain Luke, just 
that Ray had to be blood related to the Skywalker lineage mm. in some way. Um, so because I went in with that mindset, like I, I kind of have picked up on things that supported that viewpoint, if that makes sense, because it was such a dominant expectation in my mind. But then when I actually watched the film again, like I realized that what really stood out to me was that Rain Kylo dynamic, which obviously led to Ship and Raylo and like all that jazz. Um, <laughs> And yeah, like I realized that the two things simply don't jive. Like there can't be this strange, like quasi-sexual chemistry with Ray and Kylo and they be blood related. So in the end, you, ha- you have to go either or basically. And in the end, I decided that Ray and Kylo ending up like in a love story. I decided that that seemed like the more plausible outcome based on my reading of the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, since The Force Awakens was in cinemas, everything that's come out has just reinforced that view pretty much. Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty good time to be like a railer shipper. Sorry, I sound so smug. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a pretty good time. No, I mean, um, it's it's not even just about like the act of shipping, right? It's just that yeah. um, the film obviously puts this dynamic front and centre. Um, yes. And I, I've noticed... That, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and people from very different uh, perspectives on the story from us. Um, and mm. I've noticed people starting to kind of explore these ideas and kind of uncomfortably pick up on the fact, oh, Kylo acts a bit creepy around Ray. you know, like yeah. he's interested in her in some way. And I don't really know what that means, but mm. it's got to have implications for the story at some point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, lots of people probably aren't understandably they're not fully on board with the idea of a mutual romance for now but um the kind of getting closer to our reading and that the force awakens kylo develops this weird villainous crush on ray yeah Um, so it's just a case of wondering where that's going to go yeah exactly so many intriguing questions (laughs) (laughs) um right i think we can call it a wrap there um and yeah, just to remind everyone, there is going to be a hiatus. Um, so we're not going to do a show next week, but we will be back with a show the week after. So don't despair. And we will be back soonish. And I promise we're going to be back for a really awesome show for you. Yeah, we're going to start doing the spotlight episodes again. It's been a few weeks of us just doing, covering news because I've been away busy doing stuff. But mm. we'll be back to normal soon. So yeah. No, exactly. The show's going to be well up in, in gear. And yeah, we're going to be so close to celebration. Yeah. By the time we're podcasting again properly, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, there's going to be so much for everyone to talk about. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're going to be doing like five hour long podcasts. Oh, God. We know it. <laughs> we're going to have to be quite strict with ourselves. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. Like, I think things like the IMAX press release will be long, long forgotten at that point. <laughs> so we're like, you are not news. Go away. Yeah. We, um, we've both had people who find out we do the podcast. You're like, how on earth do you find enough to talk about every week about Star Wars? <laughs> sometimes you are kind of scraping the barrel and sometimes there's way too much to get through. Yeah, exactly. It really, really depends. Mm. Um, and yeah, the week of celebration is going to be an interesting week mm-hmm. too, but mildly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and Journal of Star Wars on WordPress. And don't forget that you can email any questions for the show to scavengershorde at gmail.com. And Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter if people want to say hi. 
Okay, cool. Well, we hope you have enjoyed the show. Um, let us know your thoughts. Um, and until next time, bye! Bye! Bye!